North Pole Hotline. Help! My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving, and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bag full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1118 to 1120. Exclusion supply. See stores for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel. I'm a naturopathic doctor practicing here in San Diego, California. I've recently joined a practice in La Mesa, which is just about 10 minutes east of San Diego, at Alvarado Institute of Skin Care. And we're now accepting appointments for February 1st. So check out the website, alvaradoskin.com. I was realizing on previous shows that I haven't really filled you in on what a naturopathic doctor is. So you're probably thinking, what the heck is she talking about? What is this natural what? Well, just to give you a little bit of a background, I'm trained in conventional medicine as well as natural medicine. So after receiving my bachelor's degree, I went to medical school for four years and received my doctorate in naturopathic medicine, where I was trained in conventional treatments as well as natural treatments, including nutrition, uh, botanical medicine, spinal manipulation, homeopathy, and lots, lots more. I absolutely love what I do. I'm incredibly fulfilled because what I do, it works. And in my practice, I specialize in detox, uh, autoimmune disease, hormones, and digestive health. And really, what I try to do is just be the doctor that I wish I could have had when I was really sick in high school. So that's my motivation. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to last week's show. We had an awesome turnout. Uh, we were speaking with Dr. Ron Hoffman on how to optimize your relationship with your doctor. Um, I was checking the stats on the show for, on Blog Talk Radio, and out of over 900 shows, I was number 30, and that was only after my first two segments. So that is really incredible, totally unexpected. So thank you so much for tuning in. Tonight we have a fun and educating show lined up. In a moment, I'm going to introduce our special guest, but first I'd like you to mark down your calendar for a couple shows coming up. Next week's show, that's one week from tonight, uh, February 1st, I'll be interviewing men's health expert Dr. Eric Yarnell. We'll be discussing prostate health, sexual function, nutrition, and a lot more. So definitely tune in. Uh, make sure you tell your, all the men in your life, sons, brothers, fathers, boyfriends, husbands, grandpas, everybody who you'd like to see get healthier. Um, and then one week after that, I'm super excited about this show. I'll be interviewing the authors of the book, The Metabolic Effect. It's Dr. Jade and, Tion, and excuse me, Keone Tita. They sound like husband and wife team, but they're actually brothers. And they wrote the book, The Metabolic Effect. They're doctors who specialize in exercise, which is very rare. Um, we'll be talking about how spending hours on the treadmill may actually be making you fatter. So learn how to be more effective in the gym and uh, save some time as well. The topic for tonight is sex and fertility. So many women are having a hard time getting pregnant nowadays, and the sexual function of men and women is now an issue, and we'll be addressing that tonight. I'm excited to introduce our special guest. This is an incredible doctor who looks like my twin. She's a little ghetto, just like me, which you haven't really heard my ghetto side, but I'm sure it'll come out at some point during the night, and she loves to help her patients live the healthiest life imaginable. Joining me today is Dr. Carrie Jones. She's a naturopathic physician practicing outside of Portland, Oregon. She graduated from the famed National College of Natural Medicine and completed a two-year residency in women's health and hormones. Currently, she's the ND Medical Director for Sherwood Family Medicine, an integrative healthcare center in Oregon, 
and is an adjunct professor at the Naturopathic Medical School in the Gynecology Department. She was actually my professor, was an amazing teacher. She writes regularly and speaks on the subject of women's health and is currently working on her book on eating gluten-free. So she's one go-getter, I tell you that. She has much sass, and I'm sure you'll hear it a little bit tonight. So I'll go ahead and bring her on the air. Dr. Jones, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. Perfect. Thanks for coming on. Hi. Dr. Jones, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? You sound That's so good. professional. I love it. Thank you. I'm trying, you know. No, I, I'm doing really well. I just had my 30th birthday yesterday, so I'm feeling very grown up today. Happy and birthday. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's weird. It's I, I kind of feel empowered, and I feel like a 30-year-old. <laughs> feels pretty good. <laughs> so let's see here. Yeah, look uh, how was your how was your day today with your with your patients? Actually, it was so interesting. One of the patients that I had today was a woman. She um, is in her late thirties, and she came to me because she had been trying to get pregnant for years and years and years and years, and she felt like she just wanted a naturopathic approach. And unfortunately, being in her late thirties, um, her she stopped having periods, and then her doctor said, "Oh, you went into early menopause. We can't figure it out, and mm. you're you're." Fertility thing is just not going to happen for you. So I saw her. We had a lot of talking, and then today we went over all of her blood work, and it turned out, as I found, she has a condition called Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid problem. And although I couldn't, you know, obviously guarantee her, like, oh, my gosh, this is going to cure everything, what I told her was there is such an overlap between autoimmune conditions. And having this autoimmune thyroid problem, one, your thyroid connects with so much with your ovaries and your uterus, and two, she may have ovarian autoimmune problems and and has been missed or, you know, misdiagnosed or been unable to be diagnosed all this time. And it was so heartbreaking because she was like, where were you four years ago, five years ago, six years ago? And I just feel like there's so much left to be educated about that I'm so glad to be that you're having me on here so we can talk openly about fertility and all the issues. Absolutely. It's, it's missed so commonly. I see it so much. And how often do you see this as an issue with your patients? I actually see it a lot. I see it a lot. And um, it's really discouraging for me as as a woman and as a practitioner to have so many women say, you know, I'm really trying. It's been six months. It's been a year. Or we did the whole fertility thing for a couple of years. We're taking a break and trying to find something else. And mm-hmm. um, it, I, think it's, I think it's a, a marker for a larger problem. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, see it's not, that it's not a every lot of women individually? Right, right. And and when women go to their, you know, their doctor, their, maybe their conventionally trained doctor, what what typically do they say to them when they come in with this? You know, do you have to do I, you know, um in vitro or what's what's like a typical thing that they're told? Well, it depends on their age. So, if you have somebody who is under the age 30 to 35 is kind of the cutoff. So, if she's in her 20s, usually they say go try for a good 6 months to a year and then come back. And I find that really discouraging because what if something is really wrong and you can catch it right away and not have to go through 12 months of heartbreak? What if they have a thyroid problem? What if they have a hormone imbalance? Or what if they have, you know, a food sensitivity and that has just been holding them back? Once they get above 30, especially over 35, most doctors say, go try for six months and then we'll consider working you up. And then the later you get into your 30s, they just fast track you right into um, IUI, which is intrauterine insemination, and then IVF in vitro. 
I see. And so women could be spending a lot of time and a lot of money in maybe not the right realm where looking at the cause of their issues could be a lot better use of their time and money and less heartache and all of that frustration. I think so. Even women who are, you know, pretty healthy and looking just to get, you know, even in the future. Like, I hope to get pregnant the next year, or I like to be pregnant the next couple of years, you know, really coming in, getting a full workup from a more holistic point of view, where they look at the whole person versus just a few basic labs, can make a world of difference and really save on the heartache and the money. So what would be some labs that a woman who is wanting to get pregnant should ask for from her doctor? Oh, girl, I have a list. Tell me, girl. (laughs) Okay, so I always tell women, first thing is, for those of you who are out there listening, want to write this down? All right, so you want to make sure your doctor runs what's called a CBC. It's a complete blood count. And then I have them do a comprehensive metabolic panel, so that's like your electrolytes, your kidney, your liver, your glucose, things like that. Then I'm big on vitamin D, checking that. I am big on checking vitamin B12. Checking ferritin, which is a fancy word for iron storage. Um, And then I always do um, a full thyroid panel. And so what happens is doctors will just run the top-tiered thyroid hormone, which is called the TSH, and they leave it at that. But I find that if they're not running everything, if they're not checking the free hormones, the free T4, the free T3, the thyroid antibodies, like in the case of this woman today, um, there's two of them that things can really get missed and um, there can be a whole breakdown in communication. And then lastly, the big one that I check is the hormones. If she has a regular 28-ish day cycle, definitely on day 19, 20, 21, I'm checking her estrogen, her progesterone, her testosterone, her DHEA, and I'm really looking to see what her markers are doing that second half of the cycle because that is so critical for um, implantation and just that progesterone for uh, maintaining and sustaining the pregnancy. So I'm looking at a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm, it's a little bit more than the average doctor. What form of, of hormone testing do you prefer? Um, well, it depends on the woman. It depends on if she has insurance. Um, some people you can't afford it, so we start with the blood work, and that's okay because I've been doing this long enough that I can kind of gauge what's going on um, through her blood. I feel that the most accurate way is through the saliva testing, only because I feel it gives you a more... Um, like a more free level. So I tell women all the time that when you draw your blood, your hormones are like children. They can't be left unattended anytime. So your body makes a hormone, sticks it on a bus, it drives through your bloodstream. So when you get your blood drawn, what you're really getting is the level of hormones on a bus and the hormones off the bus. So you don't really know what the free level is, what's actually working. So then the saliva test I like because when they spit in the tube, those little buses are too Um, big to get down the capillaries in your mouth and so what comes out in the saliva is more of the free hormone so if you want to actually know what is getting down to the tissue level then saliva is my favorite i don't like urine some people some doctors have you um you know pee in a cup or collect your urine over 24 hours um i I really don't like that because you get all the breakdown products too all the everything when it filters through your liver and your kidney and that really doesn't help me i'm looking for the active stuff not the kind of like the stuff your body doesn't want anymore and, and discards. So those are the big three ones, and um, blood or saliva, depending on the patient. So you mentioned the thyroid and the ovaries and that relationship. How how does that work for fertility? Oh, my gosh. And <laughs> throw in the adrenal glands, the little glands on your kidney, and you've got the golden triangle. 
So the thyroid is, you know, of course, one a big master endocrine gland. And so if your thyroid is even the least bit out of whack, then women all the time, their cycles are irregular um, or they'll run late one cycle, like 35 days, and then they'll be short the next cycle. Maybe they have really, really heavy periods. Um, there's a huge correlation, especially with fertility. If your thyroid's not on board, then I see that the ovaries aren't on board either. So making sure that's working is helpful. And in the role with the, the adrenals, how do those play in with that as well? Well, the adrenals, so they're the two little uh, glands on your kidney, and their whole job in life is to manage your stress in your day-to-day, your get-up-and-go, your circadian rhythm. And, you know, you hear women all the time that, you know, oh, you're so stressed out, you're never going to get pregnant. And even though I hate that, and you should never, ever tell a woman trying to get pregnant that, it's from a purely biochemical point of view, it's kind of true. So if your body is constantly running from the tiger, even though our tigers nowadays are technology or your job or your spouse or your kids or all the things you have going on your to-do list, mm-hmm. your, your ex-boyfriends, mm-hmm. exactly, then it kind of trickles down. And the body's like, well, how can I stop and get pregnant if I'm constantly running, 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 running? There's really no time. And usually when you're running, 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 you really don't have much of a libido either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have time to stop and have sex. Mm-hmm. And so it all fits together. Right. So what what could be some things that a woman could do um, naturally to help bring all of that back into balance to make her fertile myrtle? <laughs> <laughs> so um, definitely the first thing I say is you have to make space for yourself. You you know, I, I had a woman, um, she worked at a very large corporation. She was, she was big in charge of this large corporation. She worked 60 to 75, 80 hours a week. And she was really looking to get pregnant. And I said, what, what are you... What are you going to do when the baby comes? And she said, well, then I'll cut back. But up until then, I'm not going to. And it was really difficult for her. And until she finally really took a step back, made the space, started to take care of herself, sleep on a regular schedule, get exercise, eat. She was skipping lunch. She was skipping breakfast. She'd you know, do coffee. She was just burning herself out. And the body recognized it and was like, no way, sorry, you're not getting pregnant. Uh, We've got to keep you upright in your heels going through the day to master this job. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, like uh, for just fertility in general, there are some really great herbs that are helpful for hormone balance. There's a really great safe herb. It's called um, Vitex, which is V-I-T-E-X. And you can find it as a liquid. Oh, it tastes like dirt and sticks. It's the mm-hmm. worst tasting stuff ever. Awful. It's like dirty But feet. I swear, I tell people, seriously, right? Mm-hmm. So I tell people, I, I think it tastes so bad that the ovaries, and the brain are like, okay, okay, I promise I give in. <laughs> Seriously. But totally. it does come in capsules for those who are, you know, gag reflexive. I'm like, all right, just take it in the capsule. But I find for fertility the liquid stuff works the best. Um, go to oils, you know, making sure people are taking their fish oil. And if they can't do fish, then do something like evening primrose oil, taking their B vitamins, taking their multivitamin can be, you know, really helpful. They're folic acid. Hello, mm-hmm. we don't want any spinal problems. Mhm. How so much fish oil do you like typically that. recommend for um for, you know, wellness or for really optimizing fertility? How much fish oil? Well, when you look at fish oil, you look at the ratio of EPA to DHA. It's fish oil is broken down into those two um ingredients, and when you want when you're looking for pregnancy, and of course we want smart babies. We don't want any stupid babies going around. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure your DHA is at least 300 milligrams. So I tell women 
If you get 1,000 milligrams, like if you get a capsule, it's 1,000 milligrams, turn the bottle over, read it, and make sure the DHA is at least 300. Now, for just general wellness, you want the other um, one, EPA, to be at least 500. So you don't want to get a crappy fish oil that's, you know, 100 milligrams of EPA, 150 milligrams of DHA, and then it's like, well, what's the rest of the oil? You know, mm-hmm. who knows what they put in there? And but for what do you think kids, about Costco fish oil? I'm sure you get that question a lot. I am not the biggest fan of Costco fish oil, and the reason is not that their fish oil itself maybe isn't that bad. It's because they put, like, 2,000 in a bottle. So by the time you mm-hmm. get a fourth of the way through the bottle, it's it's most of the oil is rancid. And I have definitely brought had patients bring their, you know, they bring me all their supplements. I open up their fish oil bottle. It smells horrid. Mm. And I'm like, this is what you take every day. It's rancid. You have to throw the whole thing out. Yeah, so it's not good to have a fishy-smelling fine clinic. It's not good to have. It's right, right. <laughs> and you don't want to burp that up all day. Right. <laughs> totally. So I'm like, no, you got, you got to get good quality stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Absolutely. know, I get it. It's cheap, but you got to get good quality. You know, the, uh, the the brands that I like in just at Whole Foods, I, I like Eclectic Institute. I think they're great. Um Nordic Naturals, you know, I have my grandma and my my uncle, they ask me all the time, what brand should I get, what brand should I get? And they're definitely not all created equal, so looking for that quality is very important, especially when it comes to fish oil. Most definitely. Nordic Naturals, i got to give a shout-out. I'm Swedish, so they're from Mm, Sweden. They're all about fish, so that's my favorite. Hi, I didn't know that. I didn't know you are Swedish. Yep. I'm a a quarter. Yeah, I totally look Swedish. I'm like, I got that that Cherokee blood. I know. I'll be Swedish. It's cool. I'll be Swedish. I want to take a Facebook question. Um, Oh, and by the way, for people who want to call in and ask questions, the number is 818-495-6919. So I'm going to take this Facebook question. Then I see someone in the the, um, switchboard who is at 818, so I'll take that after this Facebook question. So here's a question from Damon. Um, He's out in Wyoming. Is it true that infertility starts around 30? Or is every woman different based on genetics and the state of their health? It Well, every woman is different. I have women in their 20s. I, in fact, I have a patient right now. She's 22, and she has been trying for um, a little over a year, trying to get pregnant, and it's been really difficult. And then you read online, you know, I read, or I read on People Magazine that John Travolta's wife, Kelly Preston, at 47. Wow, are you serious? So 47, right? Exactly. She looks thirty. So, but um, didn't and know that. she did, she had she had a bump. So I'm assuming she did not have a surrogate. She had a big old belly. It was wow. hers. It was in there, Good right? Job, so John. it can be all over the world. I mean, it can be all over the age group. But I mm-hmm. will tell you, like just basic statistics. You know, the 30s are the, where women. 35 is kind of that magic number. So you know, um, according to statistics, once you hit at 36. About 50% of women can't conceive, and once you hit 40, about 80% of women trying can't conceive, and so you jump from 50% to 80%, and and that's why that 35 is kind of the cutoff. It's it's most doctors say you may want to fast track it by the time you hit 35. Mm-hmm. But like if you can be like Kelly Preston, go for mm-hmm. it at 47, or just date John Travolta <laughs> and you're good. And you're totally. 
super smart. You're good. But you know, it, it, it's 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 um it's statistics, you know, and it's not individuals and and you know, yeah. using naturopathic treatments and really optimizing hormones and your cycle and it could definitely make it more possible, right? It's oh, absolutely. I think so. Definitely. And just what you said, I'm always telling women, this they'll come in and tell me, "Well, I'm 36. I haven't even started yet." I'm like, "It's just a number." Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, the rest of you, your diet, your exercise, your stress levels, your love levels, you know, it it all right. makes a big difference. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to take this be a totally from... unhealthy 22-year-old and a pristine 32-year-old. Exactly. Lifestyle is so important when it comes to the to the fertility factor. Let me go ahead and bring on this mm-hmm. caller from the 818. Caller, are you there? Let's see. Caller, are you there from the 818? Hello? I don't know. 818. Caller, are you there? Hmm. Okay. We'll go ahead and take one more um, Facebook. I have a few questions. Facebook question um, from Sarah in the UK, and she wants to know, should women in their 30s with adrenal fatigue and low progesterone and low estrogen, which is saliva tested, should they supplement with bioidentical progesterone or just concentrate on repairing the adrenals? I say both. I recommend both because for two reasons. One, when you look at the grand hormone scheme, progesterone can make cortisol. So if you help supplement your body with progesterone, you will actually help your adrenal fatigue. Secondly, if during this whole process or when during this whole process you get pregnant, if you have low progesterone in that second half of your cycle and the corpus luteum isn't obviously strong enough to make it, you're at a higher risk for miscarriage in the first 10 to 12 weeks of pregnancy. So I say go on bioidentical progesterone and stay on it through the first trimester. You'll help your adrenals and you'll help prevent miscarriage. Got it. Awesome. How about talking about PCOS? How how common is this? How often, how often are you seeing this with your patients? What's up with PCOS and, and oh my with, with fertility? Well, it's it's the most common endocrine disorder of uh, for women, so it's I see it a lot. I'm actually seeing it a lot more, and I'm a little concerned it's lifestyle-induced. Mm-hmm. And for people so who don't know what it is, what it, yeah, go, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. No, no I was going to say what is low. PCOS for people who, who don't know. Go for it. It's polycystic ovary syndrome. And so it's generally, it's a combination of um, testosterone, DHEA, so androgen, those are called your androgen hormones, um, insulin, glucose issues, and ovarian cystic issues. And you can have a few symptoms, and you can have all of the symptoms, which is what makes it so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And but I see it how, a lot, definitely. Yeah, I, it's it's so incredibly common, and it, it is a spectrum. You know, it's like you don't have to have those cysts to have this this whole imbalance going on. And, and how does it affect fertility? What 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 happens with that? Well, I I see it affect fertility a lot because these women don't cycle. They don't ovulate or they skip periods or they'll go a couple months and then maybe they'll get a period um, or they've never been regular since they got, you know, their menstrual cycle. And in order to get pregnant, you need an egg. You need a sperm to meet an egg. And with PCOS, it's just not happening. And then on top of it, they have all these, um, you know, testosterone, DHEA issues which is also getting in the way. They're having glucose insulin issues, so they're often, not always, but often um, overweight, a lot of belly fat issues. 
um, which is just a, m produces more hormones, but it's the wrong hormones. And so it, I, I see it a lot for fertility. What are some uh, natural treatments and some, you know, from a naturopathic perspective, what can be done for a PCOS patient? Well, the really important thing with PCOS is that when I'm when I'm working up PCOS, I want to let women know that some of our herbs you cannot if you get pregnant, you have to stop right away. So I do I do um that herb I said earlier, Vitex with PCOS women. And um depending on some of their outward symptoms like acne, hair growth in places they don't want it, their testosterone DHEA levels, I'm a big fan of green tea. So doing green tea in a capsule, um or in, in drinking it throughout the day. I'm also a really big fan of lifestyle. They have to lose weight. They have to get that, um, you know, that blood sugar insulin balance under control. So maybe doing chromium. Chromium is a real popular one that um, uh, you can find on, you know, in the Whole, Whole Foods and, and the healthy section of grocery stores. Uh, the vitamin D, making sure the vitamin D is okay. And then I do a variety, depending on what's going on, I do a variety of herbs just to try to help them cycle regularly, like try to get it to come, their period to come every 28 days and trying to get them to ovulate again and trying to get the cysts to go away. And it can be a real challenge for these for these women. Mm -hmm. Do you find that with your patients that it's it's uh, typically doable? I mean, how, how, how successful are you with your, the PCOS patients in getting pregnant? Um, I feel like I'm pretty successful, yeah. I definitely, because of all the natural options that we have, I know a lot of... Um, you know, conventional doctors will do medications like metformin, which I'm totally a fan of. I think that's a great thing. But a lot of doctors will say, oh, you have PCOS, it's going to be more difficult for you. We need to jump right to doing IVF or, you know, considering having them try IUI, the intrauterine insemination. But I feel with lifestyle, with hormone balance, with all the, the additional holistic testing that we have, um, our herbal options, those who do acupuncture, you know, it's I think it can be super beneficial. You just have to really be diligent and work on it. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned vitamin D. What's what's like a typical dose you you, you prescribe for patients? My standard dose is two thousand IU a day, but it depends. When I when I check vitamin D levels, I check their um, D three levels, vitamin D three, and then I want it. Well, I'm, girl, I live in the Pacific Northwest. We have not <laughs> seen sun since last. 2008, maybe. Mm -hmm. So here, people have really, really, really low vitamin D. So when you're reading a vitamin D test, you want your, we want our numbers to be between 50 and 100. Most labs say anything above 30 is good, but when you're looking for fertility, um, you really want to be between 50 and 100. So if people are really low, I will bump them up. I'll have them do more like 6,000 or 8,000. But just a general, I want to go out and take vitamin D. I'm going to buy it at the store. 2,000 is perfect. Very safe. And then for chromium, what, what dose do you typically recommend for that? Um, if there, especially with PCOS, I'm in the more like the four to 500 microgram dose, sometimes even higher depending on how out of control they're, like if they have hypoglycemia on top of, like if they get, you know, if they don't eat, if they skip meals, they're shaky, irritable, you know, moody, and their blood sugar is high at the same time, d mm -hmm. you know, different times of the day, then I might even go higher. I might even do... I don't know, eight hundred, a thousand, depending. Okay, now and that can be really helpful. Now, let's say there's a couple and they would like to get pregnant. Um, there, 
but they, you know, I mean, it's so common you see that a woman will get pregnant and then want to do like a detox, like when she's already pregnant. So (gasps) what's like your pre-pregnancy detox schedule thing? Like what do you typically recommend for patients who want to get pregnant? So I always tell people, first of all, it's a twofer, right? You know this. Boys are half the battle. If you want if you want half your genetics to be smart and the other half to be dumb, it's always the women that get worked up, it's the women that get the detox, and the men just continue to do what they do. Mm-hmm. Boys, you are half of the equation. You have to go through the detox. You have to get healthy. And it takes longer to make a sperm. So when you're looking at, you know, how long um, – uh, it, it, men tip to send, tend to think that it, their sperm only, you know, they can make it in a day. It takes 70 to 74 days to make a sperm. That's a long time. Women, to make an egg, to make a good, healthy egg, it takes about 90 days. So when I'm looking at pre-fertility consultation, I'm telling people, you need about three months to really, in, even in some cases six months, to really clean up. Because from the day you start, 90 days later is, the egg that comes out or the sperm that comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely got to plan ahead for sure. What are what are some things that you recommend for patients to do? For cleaning, like for detox stuff? Mm-hmm. Definitely I just go ahead and test them. I do all of their, both for the man and the woman, I do their, um, the, all the lab testing I mentioned earlier. For men, I do the same thing. I check their thyroid. I check their D, their B12. I check um, their hormones, you know, oh, cholesterol is really, really important. Um, If you have too low of cholesterol, so a lot of these people are on cholesterol medications, you know, statins, Mm -hmm. and it's pushing their cholesterol too low, and then all of a sudden they can't make testosterone, and then they have their spermies are dead in the water. So I'm always checking that. Um, For both of them, it's definitely major diet overhaul, Avoiding alcohol, you know, getting the plastics out of their life, not using saran wrap, not heating stuff up in plastic bowls, using glass containers, glass jars. Um, And then for the man, women get worked up so much. Men, you have to get a, you've got to get those sperm checked out. Because if you know now versus six months from now or three months from now or a year from now that maybe you have slow swimmers or they don't all look right or you don't make that much, you can really actively work on it from a natural perspective. There is a lot that can be done for those boys. Hmm. And let me tell you, you don't want you don't want Homer Simpson sperm. No, you don't. Talk about a dumb kid. Nope. You don't want double headed <laughs> sperm or sperm with two exactly. heads that are not swimming anywhere. <laughs> and they have that. <laughs> they actually make them. So yep. in terms of like a, a detox protocol, it's a healthy diet and then what what it like liver support or kidney, what type of things can patients do? Definitely, like I tell women to, you could um, detox teas. So Yogi Brand and Scientific Medicinal Brand has different forms of detox teas, drinking that every day. Green tea is really incredible. Um, having liver support in general, like herbs like milk thistle, um, uh, choline. Choline helps you emulsify fats. Uh, can be really, really helpful. Um, drinking lots of water, stopping smoking, stopping, you know, the fried food, the trans fat food. Um, starting to work on stress is a huge thing. If couples um, don't have the baby planned into their schedule, if they're still going at 100 miles an hour and think the kid's just going to fit in somehow, it's, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. And so it's kind of an all-over get ready from the house to their body to their diet to, to everything, really. 
And women mm. will think, well, I can drink and I can be naughty up until I ovulate, and then after that I'm going to be really good. And I'm like, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> you have to be good all the time. And so does he. I have men that will say, you know, well, I'll just be good until we have sex, and then, and then, you know, it'll be okay. And I'm like, no, right, it doesn't work do because yeah. What mm-hmm. What'd you say? No, I say then then they clean up their act. You know, they eat their You're right, Burger exactly. King, McDonald's. Exactly. Like, okay, this baby coming. I'm gonna clean up my act. Um, how do you right when 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 the when the man and the woman are both on board? How do you find the success of the um, conceiving? How does that change? Oh, I think it's it makes a huge difference. And I find even if it's women will often say, you know, their their man is on board when he doesn't come in, but I find it it's just different when they both come in for counseling, when they both come in and get their blood work done, when they both equally get worked up and then she doesn't feel so pressured or so much like a lab rat, you know, like she's always getting poked and prodded and examined and her you know, the speculum exam and ultrasounds and all this stuff and it helps when both of them are there. Mm-hmm. And men forget they're 50% of the equation, so if there's something wrong with him, he needs to work on it right away right. and get it cleaned up. Right. Um, Call-in number, it's a, again, it's, for guests, the call-in number is 818-495-6919. I think there's a caller that was calling in and got disconnected, so if you want to call back in, 818-495-6919. I'm sorry, I cut you off. What were you saying? No, that's fine. I was just talking about sperm again. Oh, good. Typical. Um, okay. Well, let's see here. Let's talk about birth control. Um, should women use birth control pills? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. What do you think should about Women that? use birth control pills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, you know, birth control for women really is terrible. We really kind of get the short end of the stick because, it's a lot of hormones. It suppresses our own ovarian function. So women who are looking to get pregnant right after the pill, obviously we know people who get pregnant right away, but a lot of women it takes a while to come back from it. It's a lot of hormones in the body like fake estrogen and fake progesterone that can lead to sequelae in the future, you know, increased risk for cervical cancer, increased risk for breast cancer, uterine cancer, um, increased risk for cardiovascular stuff, strokes, clots, things like that. And um, women are getting started on these birth control pills young, 14, 15, 16, and all those exogenous outside hormones circulating through their young little bodies, how does that affect their fertility in the future? How does that affect their menopause in the future? It's, I'm not the biggest fan of them. Um, I can't say that I never prescribe them because I, I do. Sometimes you, you, that's it's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. but. Oh my goodness! I wish there was something else yeah. out there for women. What what um what are some natural treatments that a, that a patient can do if they're they've decided to take birth control pills, but they want to use some natural medicine to help with the potential side effects of that? What can they do? Well, definitely. See, birth control pills deplete um, B vitamins the most, so um, I make sure that they're on a good quality multivitamin. Um, and getting their B vitamins in. Now, depending what the birth control is, you know, if women are already sensitive to hormones, then they're going to react to the birth control pill. So if they already have heavy, heavy periods or cramps, that means they're probably already estrogen dominant. And being on a birth control pill that's a higher estrogen count, they often do worse. They often gain weight and they get moody. And so looking for 
putting those symptoms in correlation with what their birth control pill is um, or, you know, the level of the estrogen that they're at can also be really, really helpful. There are birth control pills that don't have estrogen in them. They're um, the fake progesterone. It's called a progestin, progestin-only pill. Um, there are pills that are specific for, like, you know, acne and hair growth in places you don't want it. And so really taking the time with your doctor to kind of match up what your symptoms are, why you think the pill would be appropriate, and is it appropriate, and then which pill would be the right one for you. The other one I see that gets um, low on birth control pill is iron. And so I'm always checking women's iron levels and seeing on the pill that for whatever reason, it's really low. And iron, of course, low iron causes fatigue and hair loss and skin issues, nail issues. And so those are probably my big three for being on the side effects of the birth control pill. Mm-hmm. What um, If a patient comes in and says, hey, I, wanna, I want to... Um, be on birth control of some sort, what what form do you recommend? What's your preferred birth control form? That's a great question. Um, I had a woman the other day, she was 22, and she came in, and she really wanted to be on birth control pill, and we were talking, 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 and I was like, tell me about your life. And it was very sporadic. She, you know, works sometimes, she's in school sometimes, and she goes between her boyfriend's house and her mom's house, and I said, would you even remember to take the pill? And she was like, "Mm, probably not. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, all right, the pill's not for you because you're going to get pregnant. So for her, I actually recommended the IUD. I'm a really big fan of the IUD. There are two kinds of IUDs. One has a little um, hormone in it and the other one doesn't. And I think they can work really wonderful for women. Now, it doesn't protect against HPV, and it doesn't protect against um, sexually transmitted infections like gonorrhea or chlamydia. But for pregnancy purposes, if, if they don't want all that hormone and can't remember the pill, that's my favorite. What do you think? Yeah, I'm a fan of the IUD. Um, you know, and and they it's typically recommended that's for women who have already had children. But you know, a lot more patients are doing that without having children. It seems to be working well. Um, but you know, if a patient already yeah. has heavy periods, and you know, there's the type. It depends on what their symptoms are before, right? So, you know, if they're having really heavy periods in the Paragard, the copper one probably isn't the best for them, but maybe the Marina is. So, and that can be really helpful. Right. And the Marina can be a possible treatment for, um, um, what was it for, we, we treat that for again? Um, uh, endometriosis, right? And I was going to say endometriosis. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I was going to say fibromyalgia. I'm like, I know it's not fibromyalgia. Okay. Well. <laughs> um, now, let's talk a little bit about the fertility awareness method. What is that all about? That's a really cool method. It's basically tracking your cycle through um, mucus, through temperature, your your uh, basal metabolic temperature, and through um, like positioning of your cervix throughout your cycle. And it can be really wonderful for women to get really in touch with their cycle, to know when they ovulate, to know when their fertile days are by the changes that their bodies go through so that when they're looking not to get pregnant, they can choose during the fertile days to not have sex, and when they, when the time comes that they want to get pregnant, they can do it during the fertile days. There's a whole book. It's called Taking Charge of Your Fertility, and they have a whole website, and it walks you through all about it step-by-step step on, you know, how to take in charge of your fertility, of course, is to get pregnant, but you can do the opposite, just not have sex when you're during your fertile days. How effective do you find that is with your patients? Well, it depends on the patient. <laughs> 
So you have to really learn the process, and you have to be willing to chart and and get in tune with your body, touch your body, do your temperatures every day for you know every for all of your cycle for months. Because mm-hmm. if you miss a day, or if you're off, or if you're just kind of you know kind of halfway doing it, it's not going to work. And so if women are really in tune, they're really aware of when their temperature spikes, where their mucus changes where their their cervix is, it can work really well, like in the upper 90 percentile. But Mm. for the women who are just, you know, not really into it or they forget to take their temperature or they go a couple days and they forget, it's probably not going to work that well. It's kind of like not taking the birth control pill. You're you're probably going to get pregnant. What are some clues that a woman is ovulating? What What can she tune into? What are some clues for that? Oh, I always ask this for women. I love it. So most women will tell me, I either, they either do this. They'll say, I get twinges. So like in the middle of their cycle, they'll say, I'll feel myself ovulating. I get little twinges kind of around my hip bone, maybe a little lower. Some women go through PMS for like 24 hours. Some women spot. Um, their mucus goes from like dry to a little bit mucus. They're, and then all of a sudden, they have all this mucus, like all this vaginal discharge, and they think, oh, my God, do I have a yeast infection? And then a couple of days later, it goes away. It's really stretchy when you touch it, and so um, their temperature spikes. So if you're monitoring their temperatures um, right before ovulation, their temperature dips down, and when they ovulate, the temperature shoots up because the progesterone warms your body up. So there's lots of different um, uh, ways that people know. For fertility purposes, though, you want that mucus. You want to know that your mucus is nice and stretchy um, because that's called your fertile mucus, and it's what the sperm go up and meet the egg with. And if you don't have any of those symptoms, well, some women will say, gosh, I've, I have no idea if I ovulate. I'll tell them, all right, start paying attention, start to see what happens. And it's amazing. Right. What, um, when in the cycle does a woman typically ovulate? Well, okay, so there's typical. So everyone thinks you're supposed to ovulate on day 14. So if you have a typical 28-day cycle, meaning you bleed on day one, and then um, 28 days later you start over again, then you're supposed to ovulate on day 14. However, you can absolutely ovulate anywhere from day 10 all the way up until like day 18 and 19. It doesn't make it right, but definitely I have had women say, I have sex on day 14 all the time, and we come to find out they ovulated on day 12. Hmm. Interesting. Got it. Um, I'm going to take another Facebook question that ties into this. This is from Melissa. Um, she said, I was wondering if there is a natural way I can change the days of my menstrual cycle. I'm not on birth control currently. Ooh, a natural way. Change the days of my menstrual cycle. Well, hmm. I guess it depends what she means. If she's look like if women are, you know, some women are short cyclers, meaning they maybe they bleed every 22 days or 25 days. And then I'll do herbal support to help get them longer to more like a 28-day cycle. If she's looking to skip her period or move her period entirely like for a wedding or a vacation, I haven't found a good natural way yet. (laughs) Have you? (laughs) No, no. I wasn't sure what she meant by that exactly, but um, maybe, yeah, I don't know if there's something that happens every month and it conflicts with her having her period. I don't know. But, but um, <laughs> could you speak a little bit about seed cycling? Do you do you use that at all with patients? You know, I don't. Um, I don't use seed cycling that much with patients. 
And mm-hmm. um, but seed cycling is when you alternate um, different kinds of seeds and different oils because they're either more estrogenic or more um, progesterenic. So they support the estrogen system the first half and the progesterone system the second half to keep you regular, help balance your hormones. Um, and the only reason that I don't, I mean, I, I would print, if patients bring it to me, I think it's a great system. Um, I, it's just not something that I use, so you may have to explain it better. Well, um, yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> I, um, the, the, so the first half of the cycle, it's the follicular phase, and that's, um, I'm trying to think the the seeds that you use. I think it's flax seeds and, um, let's see, flax seeds and pumpkin seeds. So you you grind up a tablespoon, or is it two tablespoons? I think it's a tablespoon of each. I think each. it's a tablespoon. A tablespoon mm-hmm. of each. You grind that up, and you 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 eat that um, every day for the first half of your cycle, so day one until around day 14 or so. And then day 14 until the day of bleeding, you do a tablespoon of sesame seeds and um, sunflower seeds. So you do that, take that every day, and then um, up until the day of bleeding. And so, you know, um, I haven't done it a whole lot, but I've I've talked to other naturopathic doctors who find that it works really well, and so you know maybe that could be a nice answer for Melissa, who's wanting to possibly re- regulate her cycle naturally. Um, do you use flaxseed yeah. a lot with your patients? I do. I use flaxseed a lot, especially if they're having estrogen problems, so heavy periods, PMS, fibroids, um, breast tenderness, mood issues. Because es- or flax seeds, when you grind them up, not not the oil, the oil doesn't work. Um, but if you actually grind up the flax seeds in like a coffee grinder or buy them ground up, then um, it increases a hormone in your body called sex hormone binding globulin. And that will bind up extra estrogen and excrete it out. And so it can really help those women that have, you know, PCOS-like symptoms or really bad PMS symptoms or um, irregular symptoms or even just heavy periods. I've seen it work really well for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know for myself, I used to have PMS symptoms, and I did flax seeds for a month, and I didn't have them anymore. So, really natural, you know, gentle and very effective treatment. It's pretty awesome stuff. Um, okay, let's move on to orgasms. <laughs> why? Why is it that some women have orgasms and some don't? I mean, for men, it's just easy. It's like whatever. I mean, you know, there, of course, there's men who are having issues with it. For sure, and we can get into that as well. But for women who who have a hard time having having orgasms, what do you typically say to them? What are some things they can possibly do? Well, as we know, women are we are complicated creatures. So usually with orgasm, you know, it depends. If they're like, oh my gosh, I have this one patient. She was hysterical. She said, I was little Miss O girl all my life, and then she went on an antidepressant, and it totally killed her orgasm. When she went off the antidepressant, it took about a full year for them to come back, and she called and told me she was Little Miss O-Girl again. <laughs> so there's so much that goes with orgasm. You know, it's it's comfort level, it's your hormone level, how's your testosterone, your DHEA, it's your stress level, um, it's your it's your energy level, it's it's how comfortable you are with your body. We're just complicated beasts, and sometimes it can be really, really difficult Fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, how to? So, how does the uh, neurotransmitters play into that? Oh, I think they play a lot. Especially, I think I feel like serotonin. So, serotonin is the antidepressant um, neurotransmitter floating around in your brain, and it's what all the antidepressant hormones work on. But the the medications don't actually give you more serotonin. 
They just help you um, hang out in your brain longer. So when I see that women's serotonin is low, we have a test at our office that we do. I find they have a really difficult time getting in the mood, um, feeling attractive, feeling sexual, um, just because they've got that, that brain hormone. They don't feel good in general, and so it's hard to feel good about sex, and it's hard to feel good about getting naked when, when they don't feel about things good about things all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and serotonin, um, you know, melatonin is related with serotonin, and if a, per, if a woman isn't sleeping, right, that can definitely affect her libido and her ability to have an orgasm. And um, so there's a lot more than just just what people typically think of when it comes to orgasms. It's, it's very complex, for sure. Um, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Now, tying I that into... A patient. Oh, go for it. I was just going to say, I just had a patient um, today, actually, who she has um, a one-year-old, and she said, you know, I put him down by 7 o'clock. Oh, uh, no, so we started the visit out. I said, tell me about your libido. She said, I have none, absolutely none, and I used to have a good libido. So we're talking. She has a one-year-old. She said the one-year-old goes down by like 7 o'clock in the evening. She goes, but then I'm exhausted and I crash out. She's like, I need more libido, and I was like, honey, I do not have a magic pill for that. <laughs> You're an exhausted mother of a one-year-old. That is going to take boundaries, and it's going to take date night. It's going to take a babysitter. It's going to take you getting really good sleep so that you have the energy to make an effort, right. you know, because women just can't turn on and turn off. We we have to get warmed up and warmed up and warmed up, and then we can go. Or the mood has to be right, or the dishes have to be done, or, you know, all our to-do list has to be checked off, and then we think about sex. Yeah, That's men, if you want your women to get into the mood, do some dishes, and then she'll be ready. <laughs> <laughs> get her in the Help mood, Help her with man. the to-do list. Do some chores. Um, <laughs> well, I, we're, we're covering mostly women's issues um, tonight, and you know, next week I'll be talking more about men's issues, and we'll be talking about sex as well. But from your experience with working with, with the men in your practice, what do you see as what's going on with, with the men who have low libido or who have erectile issues? What are some things that you keep in mind or do with them? Actually, the big two things that I see a lot are the adrenals. So the adrenals, are, they're stressed out, they're tired, they're not sleeping very well, um, and so all their energy is going into keeping them upright, but maybe not other issues, other areas of their body upright. Got it, got um, it. And then the other thing I see is lifestyle. You know, they have all these big blood sugar and insulin swings, and it's really affecting their testosterone. Um, and so they're having libido issues. And, they're, and as a result, they're having sperm issues. They can't produce as much. Maybe they have a low count. And so by addressing both of those, it can be really helpful for a guy, just like it can be for a girl. But I'm seeing low testosterone a lot, and I'm seeing it a lot in men in their 30s. I mean, that's young, but they're all stressed out. Right. So looking at the lifestyle modification and do you jump straight to hormones with them? What do you do with with these guys? I well, it depends on the guy and it depends on the age and what they're looking for. So oftentimes, you know, one of the precursor hormones to DHEA is or excuse me, testosterone is DHEA, which is one of your big adrenal hormones. And so I'm looking at the whole chain for men. I'm looking at how is your stress? Do you have enough hormone to make testosterone in the first place? And then are you over-converting it to estrogen? Because testosterone can go down to estrogen. And, you know, I'm asking them, do you have man boobs? Are you gaining weight around the middle? 
Um, are you having men with more estrogen tend to be more emotional, and I don't necessarily mean emotional like women, but they'll be more moody or um, irritated or whiny. Oh, if I could count the number of times I've heard whiny. So it's 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 this estrogen dominance in men and trying to get the DHEA up and the testosterone not to overconvert while working on lifestyle and diet. Mm-hmm. It's just as complicated as women. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And so much goes back to diet. It's like, men, get up in the morning, have your breakfast, have a good breakfast in the morning with some good protein, eat throughout the day, keep your blood sugar stable, because, you know, your body needs that blood sugar balancing to function properly, you know, and and, and we haven't even talked about low-fat diets. I mean, low-fat diet is just like a perfect recipe for low libido and, and infertility. You know, you need to have a good amount of cholesterol, a good amount of fat in your diet to build those hormones, so this whole low-fat thing is just a great way to not get pregnant, really. Oh, it's true. And the same with the cholesterol medications. You know, even the even the natural stuff, like the red yeast rice and the niacin, it's, if people get too much and they're completely suppressing their cholesterol, they're not going to make very many hormones. They're going to have all these hormone issues. Right, absolutely. Now, uh, tying in the... Um, Libido. Let's talk about menopausal women for a while, perimenopausal, postmenopausal women, just who are having issues with their libido. Um, well, first off, what are what are typical symptoms of menopause? The most common ones everyone thinks about is the, are the hot flashes and the night sweats, and those absolutely, you know, kind of the first triggers. The other things women will start to say, okay, my period's getting a lot heavier or their period's getting irregular, so they used to have it monthly, and now maybe it skipped a month, or maybe now it's every two weeks, and they're like, what's this about? Um, often because that estrogen is declining their, their joint pain, because estrogen helps a lot with joint lubrication. So joint issues are worse, they're feeling older and you know more, more crickety when they get up. Um, they're starting to have skin, dry skin issues, memory issues. Um, libido issues, I mean, they're not in the mood anymore, they can't orgasm, vaginal dryness. There's a lot that goes with menopause. And what, what causes these symptoms that these women are experiencing? Well, it's definitely hormone imbalance, I see. And I don't mean hormone imbalance. Everyone says, oh, it's estrogen and progesterone. Absolutely, but so much goes into hormone balance, your thyroid, your adrenals, your brain, that you have to check all of it and look at all of it. You can't just say, oh, your estrogen and progesterone are low. Here, take some estrogen and progesterone. Because mm-hmm. if you don't address everything else, in a couple of months you're going to come back and go, this isn't working. I need some. I need more. I need something different. Let's retest this. you got to look at the big picture. What, what are some things that a, a menopausal woman can do to naturally balance her hormones? Um, definitely, again, it's the same thing like we've just talked about, lifestyle, which is, you know, eating a lot, high protein, high vegetable, cutting out the sugar, um, getting good exercise, drinking a lot of water, um, addressing the adrenals. Once a woman goes into menopause, it's her adrenal glands that take over. They become the new ovary. So if she is not taking care of herself, setting her boundaries, um, even taking adrenal support, there's some great basic adrenal supports out there that have like vitamin Bs in them. B5 is really important to the adrenals. Vitamin C. A um, couple of herbs, like there's one, an Indian herb called ashwagandha. There's a Russian herb, rhodiola. Um, the mushroom, um, a bunch of mushrooms that are really specific. Uh, cordyceps. If she's not doing things to help her, her stress response, then she's going to have a more painful menopause, and her her hormones are just going to crash. Absolutely. What about soy? 
Ooh, soy is a tough one. Um, I am on the no soy fence. I know, you know, that's pretty controversial. But I, I'm okay with soy that is fermented, so edamame, uh, tempeh, and miso soup. But I am not a big fan of all of these, you know, soy milk, soy cheese, soy ice cream, soy replacement. I find that it really messes up with hormones, and uh, it really affect, especially messes up thyroid. Um, and now, now on top of being menopausal, you have thyroid problems. And it's, right. it's not a good combination. Yeah, and it's, you know, the genetically modified, 90% of it's genetically modified, so you just don't know what you're getting. It's just it's not real food by the yeah. time you get it to your mouth. Exactly. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, we, we say, oh, but in Japan they eat so much soy. They actually really don't eat as much as we think they do. So, and a lot of their a lot of their health comes from other things as well. Um, so, yeah, it's just a tiny little piece of the picture, really. So, so a woman's going to her doctor. Let's say a menopausal woman's going to her doctor. You know, what are some lab tests that she could ask for in addition to what you've you've mentioned um, with the, the woman trying to get pregnant? Same labs as the woman trying to get pregnant. Um, some doctors won't do a hormone test on her because uh, they feel they feel oh your hormones are up and down anyway. So what does it matter? I like a baseline. I want to see where you're at. I want to see where your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone. Um, I'm big on adrenal testing, so we at our clinic do salivary adrenal testing because, like I said, once you hit menopause, it's the adrenal's job to take over. I do neuroscience testing, which are neurotransmitter testing. So women hit menopause and they're like, I'm more weepy or I'm more angry, I'm really irritated. So we're looking at kind of the whole picture. Mm-hmm. What about um, like FSH, LH? What about those? I actually don't, unless a woman really wants to know if she's, you know, in menopause, how far into menopause, I actually don't check those. Mm-hmm. FSH is the standard lab that I find most conventional doctors test. They'll go, oh, yep, it says you're in menopause. But it really doesn't say anything about their hormone levels or their adrenal levels. And so I don't I don't look at those as much. Right. And for women who just their 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 sex drive is just bottomed out, it, it's more than just you know giving them testosterone. Correct? It's just it, it's a very holistic looking at all the different pieces of the puzzle in restoring libido. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, definitely. You know, I have had, I've I give women I've given women testosterone cream. I've put them on a little bit of DHEA to help them out. You got to help a girl out. You know, she needs her libido. She needs her O. Totally. But I'm, I'm looking at everything else as well. Mm-hmm. Do you find that it's something they need, they need to stay on, or can they get off of it eventually? Ooh, it depends on her. So if she's willing to do some homework and really work on, you know, getting her energy back and not using up all the energy that I'm about to give her, um, working on her relationship, realizing that she's not going to orgasm like she did in her 20s, um, right. then she can probably get off of the hormones. Mm-hmm. But um, so, sometimes, sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's difficult. My goal is not to have them on hormones for longer than five years. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. No, it's good because, you know, you hear about these patients that are on hormones for 20-plus years. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Right, right. It's crazy. And then just the the imbalance of the rest of the hormones and the impact on the liver. And, uh, you know, people don't realize that the liver has to really metabolize all these hormones. So it's very important to, um, you know, keep that in mind that, the liver really takes a beating when it comes to hormone therapy, for sure. Um, just to touch quickly on bioidentical versus hormone, just, you know, the uh, hormone replacement therapy, What what's the difference between the two for people who don't know? So 
the bioidentical hormones are hormones that are created to look exactly like the hormones you have in your body. So if you take progesterone that's bioidentical, it is made to look exactly like the progesterone in your body. Estrogen should look like estrogen. The non-bioidentical hormones are um, do not look very much like anything in your body. For example, there is a commonly known estrogen out there. It's called Premarin. And it's called Premarin because it comes from pregnant mare urine, Premarin. And there are, are over 300 chemicals in it. And some of them can touch on the estrogen receptors and turn them on, kind of like your estrogen. But then that leaves the other 293 plus chemicals to go hog wild in your body. And so during um, the time, there was some research done on these, these non-bioidenticals, and they were finding because of all these other chemicals that are floating around your body, they can really wreak havoc with your cardiovascular system, um, increase the risk for cancer, and it can really cause a problem. So when you're, when you're looking for hormone replacement, I, I, I refuse to give anything but the bioidentical hormones. I want it to look exactly like what your body has produced not from a pregnant mare urine. Right. It doesn't make any sense how that ever really came about. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, and these women will stay on it for so long. Yeah. It's just it's incredible. Um, my heart goes out to some women who who do that. You know, and it's it's um yeah, I, I I don't know. It's just it's amazing to me. You know, I've I've had friends who have been on it for years and years and years and then finally get off of it and have such a hard time getting pregnant, so it's just uh it's unfortunate. Um right. anything else, Doctor Jones? Pertaining to sex and fertility, anything that that we didn't touch on you think would be great for, for listeners to hear? I think we are pretty comprehensive. <laughs> the biggest thing I say for women to have sex is don't think about it, just do it. So the women that come in and they say, I'm never in the mood. I'm never in the, we're always talking about how I'm not in the mood. I'm like, stop talking, just have sex. Because what I find is the more women have sex, the more couples have sex. I'm not saying every day, I'm not saying three times a day, but it kind of reprimes those those dried up pumps mm-hmm. and so do it get your sex on <laughs> you just got bonus points with all the men listening good job <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> well i want to thank you so much for coming on the show it was so informative um i think that a lot of people will probably get a lot out of it and um where can listeners learn more about you they can definitely visit our website it's www.sherwoodfamilymedicine.com and that's S-H-E-R-W-O-O-D, familymedicine.com. Awesome. And when do you think your gluten book might be out? (laughs) I am so hoping by the end of this year we get requests for it all the time, and I am slowly working on it. So needed. Awesome. Well, I I loved having you on the show. I'm hoping that I can have you on again to talk about um, maybe escherotic treatment or just other things pertaining to women's health. I think we definitely need to get that word out there for sure. Most definitely. Awesome. Well, thanks, Dr. Jones. Have an awesome night, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. For I'll sure. talk to you later. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. It was a longer show than, than usual, but I think that it was great. We had a lot of information to cover. And, um, yeah, definitely check us out next week. Uh, we'll be interviewing Dr. Eric Yarnell about men's health. And, uh you know, tell all your, your, the men in your life. It'll be a great show for them to tune into. The week after that will be a Dr. Jade and Keone Tita talking about exercise and how to really optimize your body composition without beating yourself up in the gym. Um, yeah, so it was a great show. We will uh, check you next week. Have an awesome week. Bye-bye.
North Pole Hotline. Help! My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving, and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bags full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1118-1120. Exclusion supply. See stores for details. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.